Hello, my name is Nick Hatton, and welcome back to another episode of the PS Plus, the Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe each week speaks to other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we cover more focused topics in a series format. And today we will continue to move through the current series that we are in, focused on the topic of biblical finance. This is our sixth episode in that series. So let's dive back into the word of God right now and find out more about how it is that God desires for his people to be interacting with their money on a daily basis. On today's episode of the PS Plus, we're going to be covering the topic of investing and discussing what the Bible says about how followers of Jesus should be investing their income. Now, before we get too deep into this topic, I believe it's important to point out and for individuals to understand that investing, in many ways, is a different way of saving money. For example, when someone is investing in a 401k for retirement, what that person is doing is saving with a goal in mind of ending up in a favorable financial position in the future. And for a follower of Jesus Christ, what this more methodical way of saving for their future does is it allows their future self to continue and potentially to better prioritize the Lord in their finances with a time in mind when they won't have the earned income that they likely have at the current point in their lives. Now, people invest finances for all types of reasons, not just for retirement, but even short-term investments that take place within individual non-retirement investment accounts allow for this same type of practice to happen. So with that being said, most, if not all, biblical principles that Scripture reveals to us about the practice of saving income, as we covered in our last episode, are applicable to investing also, although there are certainly some additional principles to be added. So we'll cover some of those principles as we move forward in this episode. But I'd also like to just take a moment to point out that our God, the author and illustrator of all things, believes in the idea of investment. And we can know that because it's written all over his design. Now, you aren't going to be able to find the word invest or investment in your King James Bible, but you are going to find words such as multiply, increase, much, many, exceedingly, greater, and abundance. And combined, you'll see words such as these appear throughout your Bible more than a thousand times. And not every mention of these words I just listed off has something to do with financial investment or multiplication, but together they do reveal God's heart for production by way of investment, and the stewardship of our finances doesn't get skipped over in that. It is by way of investment that followers of Jesus Christ multiply physically and spiritually, that they grow in their understanding of godliness and in how disciples are made and reproduced. We see investment in the Great Commission, and that means we see a command 
to invest from Jesus Christ himself. Now that is a spiritual command that Jesus gives us. And of course, we do want to focus in on the topic of financial investment in this episode. So we're going to do that right now. And we're going to do that by looking in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Now, many of you are likely familiar with this passage. It's called the parable of the talents, which is a story that gives believers a spiritual picture of accounting for our stewardship of God's resources at the judgment seat. But it's also worth noting that this is a parable delivered from Jesus Christ, and it's structured around the basis of financial investment. Now, I'm going to summarize this parable for the sake of time, but the gist of what's going on in this passage is there's this master who gets three of his servants together, and he gives them each a different amount of talents. And what a talent is in the context of Matthew 25 is currency or a sum of money. So this master entrusts portions of his wealth to these three servants, expecting that profit would be made from that resource. And then he leaves on a long journey. And as the master is away, Jesus explains that each of these three servants took some sort of action in between the time that the master left and when the master returned from his journey. And to really summarize this part of the story here, two of those servants doubled the amount of currency they were given, while the third hid his one talent away out of fear and for safekeeping. Now, when the master returns, he is very pleased with the two that made investments and doubled what he had given them. His response to them is, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now, this is also the response that we should all be thriving for from our God and master as we manage the resources he has entrusted to us. The third servant, on the other hand, in this parable, is met with some really harsh words and an even harsher judgment. In verse 26, the master refers to this third servant as a wicked and slothful servant for having lacked and taking the talent he was given to the exchangers in the marketplace and figuring out a way to have multiplied it. So the thing about the two servants that made the investments and doubled their money is not necessarily the case that they invested their money and that's what pleased the master. Rather, it's that they took wise action with the resources that were entrusted to them and with the abundance that was produced from taking those actions, the master was pleased. So I cover all that to say we shouldn't dismiss the fact that Jesus chose to use the multiplicity of currency as a picture of taking wise action with what the master had entrusted to his servants. And with that, I believe it's safe to say that there is wisdom in investing our income for future needs, just as there is wisdom in taking action to save for future needs. And another way of saying this is, there is wisdom in managing the resources that God has entrusted to us in a way that allows them to work for us. It is wise to put our resources to work because after all, that is what financial investment is doing in action. 
Now there's a flip side to this coin, and it's that a bad investment can actually destroy someone's finances. There are definitely wise investments to be made as we operate in life, but you had better believe that there are ample amounts of unwise investments out there for us also. So let's take some time to talk about that. God has given his people many warnings against pursuing opportunities to gain wealth quickly and without work. As we covered in our last episode, God has commanded his people to take part in the act of labor in order to gain any form of wealth and sustenance. So with that, there is an argument to be made that says seeking opportunity to gain wealth without the act of laboring, whether that labor be physical or mental, is a demonstration of poor stewardship, and likely it's coupled with some form of sinful behavior altogether. We see this explained in Proverbs 13.11, which tells us this, Wealth gotten by vanity shall diminish, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. So we read in this verse, as we seek wealth by way of vanity or by way of scheming or when we take great and unnecessary risk with the resources that God has provided for us, well, generally that's going to be connected to a bad investment opportunity that maybe had potential for great upside, which of course appealed perfectly to the lust of our eyes and our flesh. And, you know, potentially we were carried away by the siren song of getting wealth without work. But what we end up doing in taking that action is risking all that belongs to the Lord for the potential benefit of ourselves. This is unwise financial action that any of us can fall into. Now we can couple Proverbs 13:11 with other verses such as Proverbs 20:21. 20, which tells us this, an inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. And what we see is that all the points we just covered are reinforced. Spirit-led actions do not produce impatience and haste. If an investment opportunity doesn't allow for a follower of Christ to carefully consider their options, it's likely not an opportunity worth considering regardless of the potential upside. And as we just read, the end thereof shall not be blessed. We can also jump down to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20, which tells us this, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. And then if we skip down to verse 22, we continue to read, He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. So with all these warnings from the Lord, it can be clearly seen throughout Scripture that chasing after fast or quick money is unwise, and more often than not, it results in loss. In the world of investment, wise investors have a few sayings they operate according to, a couple of which are something to the effect of, fast money is fast to be wasted and quick money is quick to be gone. And as we read in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, which tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil, and as we pursue it wholeheartedly, 
what we end up doing is erring from the faith and piercing ourselves with many sorrows in that pursuit. So in reviewing all of this, we can conclude with certainty that when it comes to financial investment, God never approves of financial investment that is driven by our flesh. If the works of our flesh are being carried out in our financial management, then the fruits of the Spirit will not be made manifest in how we manage our finances. So that leads us to the question, what is an investment opportunity that is worth considering? Well, first and foremost, it should be one that aligns with Scripture. So let's take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 6 to get an idea of this very thing. And we're going to start out in verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, or how the bones do grow in the wombs of her, that is with child. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. King Solomon, who is the author of Ecclesiastes, was a man of many different activities, one of which was trade and investment. Now, it may not be easy to see it without reading this passage several times, but what Solomon is communicating here in chapter 11 is the idea that there is wisdom in being someone who makes diversified investments. While at the same time, this person is aware and thoughtful about pitfalls surrounding those investment opportunities. And at the same time, this person is not overly cautious to the point that they hide their talent in the earth and store it away as they operate with a spirit of fear as opposed to a spirit of sound mind. In verses one and two, in verses one and two of this passage, we read, "Cast thy bread upon the waters." So during this point in time, grain was a traded commodity, as it still is today. There are investors and people who trade and specialize in the wheat market specifically, in the modern world. So again, Solomon is talking about trade and investment here. He's talking about financial action that generates monetary profit. Now he goes on to say in verse 2, send your grain out on seven or eight different ships. So if we were to think about these ships as investment vehicles, he's telling us to be diversified in the way we allocate investments for the sake of generating profit and also for the sake of limiting loss. I can't say for sure, but this may be the first analogy that we have for not putting all our eggs in the same basket. But in this instance, it's don't put all your bread in the same ship. Anyway, along with everything else that he communicates in verse 1, he does go on to say, 
for thou shalt find it after many days. So in other words, he's saying, let your investment be long-term and see what type of return your investment brings back on these ships. And lastly, in verses three through six of this passage, he goes on to say, don't be so concerned with all these things you can't control. At the end of the day, you can never know exactly what you will prosper, but you do know you won't prosper at all if you don't make some sort of an investment, if you choose to hide your talent in the earth. By way of Solomon's example, it can be said that biblical investment seeks long-term and cautious growth. But from Solomon, we also learn a few important things about the character of a biblical investor, which are that a wise investor is diversified in their decisions, patient in their choice, and thoughtful in terms of risk. But what they are not is fearful. So what do we learn from all of this in terms of biblical investment? I believe what we learn is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have liberty to invest our income as long as we do it in a responsible way. As long as we do it with the truth in mind that everything we have to invest in this life is something that was gifted to us by the Lord. And before anything else, investing income should be an action we can take with our finances only after we've chosen to prioritize the Lord first by way of biblical giving and spending. And if that's the case for you, then the financial investments you make in this life can still be action taken as a steward of the Lord that brings Him glory in all you do. And on that note, we're going we're gonna to conclude this episode of the PS Plus. Continue to join us every other Wednesday to keep up with this series on the topic of biblical finances, where in our next episode, we are going to be looking into what scripture tells us about whether or not followers of the Lord should be people who take on debt and borrow money. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time. Take care.